17, actually through chapter 4, verse 1. But hear the word of God. Brothers, or brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Amen to this reading of God's holy, divinely inspired word, inerrant, infallible, our only rule of faith and practice. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we we thank you that your, your gracious word speaks so directly, so lovingly, so honestly, to the needs of our hearts and of our country and culture, Lord. Lord, we we thank you uh, that we all are sinners, and, and yet we are sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. Lord, pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts and minds even today. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes uh, so that we would behold wondrous things in your law. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's amazing to see how our Cajun culture and customs saturate our lives. You know, we, or maybe I could say you all, can be heard sprinkling your conversations with words like merci, shah, allons, to name just a few. Uh, We enjoy feasting on boiled crawfish in the spring, breakfasting on boudin, savoring a good gumbo. It took a while. In fact, we're still learning, uh, Lynn and I, how to understand all the different Cajun phrases and learn to delight in uh, the uh, delicious cuisine. You know, but whether you're from South Louisiana or South Florida or from way up north, you, you prize your, your home culture. You know, keep, keep that truth in mind. You know, here in, in Philippians 3, 17 through 21, 
the, the Apostle Paul seeks to wean Christians from their Roman culture and from the customs of Philippi. Remember, Philippi was a, a colony of Rome, an outpost of Rome. You know, by God's grace, uh, he's preparing his brothers and sisters in Christ to live as citizens of heaven. He begins by calling them to follow Christ along with him. Then he cautions them about the sins of the culture and of the heart uh, before he closes by giving them a glimpse of heaven with Christ. As we study these verses, keep uh, this truth in mind that or principle that may we faithfully walk in light of our promised citizenship in heaven. You know, what does it mean for us as Christians to live as citizens of heaven? You know, there in verse 17, we're going to take it in three sections, uh, verse 17, then verses 18 and 19, and then 20 and 21. Uh, But there in, in Philippians 3, verse 17, encourage you to keep your Bibles open. We are to be living by godly examples. But whenever we study scripture, it's always vital that we see it in context. We go back to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and following, especially Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Hear them again. Uh, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press onward towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Even even there in verse 14, he, he's setting the stage that, uh, that, that God is, has already extended that, that upward call, that call from heaven and that call uh, to come home to glory for, for Christians. You know, now we, we see this gospel hope of heaven, you know, but how are we to live now? You know, two commands, they're just in that first verse. The first command is follow. We don't see that word follow, it's implied there. He gives that command to, to brothers and sisters. You know, remember the Apostle Paul was still in prison in Rome. You know, but he still expresses his genuine Christian affection. You see that throughout uh, this precious epistle. But this command, you all join in following my example. Or the King James puts it this way, be followers together of me. You know, it's a joint command. You all as as Christians, you all there in the church at Philippi, you know, you're to follow me. You know, but but it's vital for us to understand, and Gordon Fee makes the point, in every case, imitation of Paul means as I imitate Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul, again, is saying that here in Philippians 3, 17. Follow me as I follow Christ. 
you know, follow my godly example. And it's not just Paul's example as well joined in that is Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul. So the first command, follow. The second command is focus. Again, that word focus isn't there, but it's a command and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Look, observe. You all keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You know, it's not just Paul. As I've said already, it's Timothy and Epaphroditus who are are with him as well. You know, pay close attention to the godly example or to the gracious example of your godly leaders. You know, live by their godly examples. You know, the Lord has richly blessed me, Lynn, too, with a a host of godly and gracious examples of Christian love and faith in my life. You know, my parents, uh, my grandparents, especially my grandparents on my mother's side, godly Sunday school teachers. My parents made sure we were in Sunday school, even junior high boys, Never forget Mr. Swada, Mr. Slider, who persevered in teaching us the word of God. You know, a holy host of pastors, you know, I've sat in the pew as well. You know, men of God who preached the word of God, but they also modeled the love of Christ. Professors in seminary. You know, fellow deacons and elders in in the five churches I've been privileged to serve in. You know, women in our church. You know, particularly here at Hope Church. Women who serve with servant hearts. True Christian friends. You know, at churches where we've served. Still friends. Still talk, still pray one for another. You know, godly examples. You know, and the application here, well, two applications for us. First one is follow godly examples. You know, especially in this church. There there are many who, who walk faithfully with Christ. Not that we're without sin. You know, but they, they, they love the Lord. They're quick to for, ask for forgiveness and repent of their sins. You know, but then secondly, to the seasoned saints especially, live as godly examples. You know, others are, are watching you. They're, they're listening to, to your words. So live as godly example with your gospel words, and here I'm preaching to myself too, your Christian service, your prayer life, your testimony of holy worship on the Lord's day. You know, your daily walk of faith with Christ, it's not just something you live on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday as well. You know, living by by godly examples. And here, uh, God's word, the Apostle Paul is preparing us uh, for, for heaven. 
But secondly, we are to be living as God's holy children, verses 18 and 19 there. The the next two verses are are a a stark contrast uh, with 317. You know, two things that, that struck me initially. You know, here you hear about Paul, the tears of Paul, we, we, a lot of things we, we picture in our mind about the Apostle Paul, but not too often tears. You know, he is weeping, but then as well, he speaks of those who walk as enemies of the cross. You know, there, there is a, a gracious gospel warning here in this verse. Paul warns them about these false believers with tears in his eyes. There's an intensity, an intimacy there. It seems that the, these believers who, who were a part of that church, or at least tried to be a part of that church there at Philippi, you know, were false believers, were pretenders. They were unholy hypocrites, and, and that's what made Paul weep. You know, maybe at, at one time they professed faith in Christ, but like the uh, seeds in the parable of the soil, you know, grew on rock and they quickly withered or they were choked out by the, the weeds. You know, there, there is weeping in Paul's life. Won't take the time to, to do it, but look at Acts 20, you know, verses 29 through 31, there the Apostle Paul is saying goodbye to the elders of the church at Ephesus, you know, and and he is weeping. You know, parting from fellow believers brings tears to his eyes. You know, but it's meant to be a message of encouragement. Uh, William Hendrickson writes this, one of the secrets to Paul's success as a missionary, or we could say pastor, was his genuine personal interest in those whom the Lord had committed to his spiritual care. You know, he, he just didn't teach them, you know, theology, book of Romans, you know, but, but he tenderly cared for these sheep, these students of God's word, these fellow Christians. But now Paul provides the Philippians with four marks of the enemies of the cross. You know, who were these enemies? We talked earlier about the Judaizers, those um, who, who came into the church from the Jewish faith, but they still believed in, in salvation by good works. You know, others use the word pretenders, you know, those, those um, who gave a good talk but, but did not walk the walk of faith with Christ. Four marks of the enemies of the cross, and you can read them right there in verse 19. And I'll make, we'll look at them together. Their end is destruction due to their unrepentance concerning their depravity, their sinfulness, 
They're headed to hell. Eternal separation from Christ. Eternal damnation. You know, there, there's a teaching that has arisen in the recent years called annihilationalism. Maybe you've heard of it. It's those who say, yes, Christians go to heaven, you know, but those who aren't trusting in Christ just pass into nothingness. They're, they're annihilated. You know, but that, there's no basis for that teaching in, in the Bible. Wishful thinking. You know, just to give you one example, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 2 Peter 3, verse 7. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. They will spend an eternity apart from Christ in hell. You know, their end is destruction for these enemies of the cross. Secondly, their God is their belly. They idolize their fallen and fleshly appetites. You, you get a glimpse of it in, in uh, the Old Testament book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. You know, we know it for the handwriting on the wall, but uh, Daniel 5, verse 1, just read one verse. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. And they were using the uh, goblets, the vessels from the temple. You know, that's all Belshazzar was concerned about. Let, let's have a good time. Let's party. You know, their, their God is their belly. Those who would say, as we hear in Isaiah twenty two thirteen, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. You know, maybe, maybe you know people like that. You only live life once, so grab all the gusto you can. Their God is their belly. Third, they glory in their shame. You know, there, there is no shame for their sins against the holy God. They do not glory in a sovereign and a saving God who loves us in Christ. Rather, they publicly brag about their shameful and sinful behavior. I believe that's a, that's a gospel truth for 2023 in our country and our culture. Finally, with minds set on earthly things, they think primarily about earthly and ephemeral things, passing things. That's why it's important. Each Lord's Day, we, we say that verse together. And the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You know, they, they're enemies of the cross. What's that? You know, it's important for us to understand this. They, they hate Christ and the cross. One paraphrase, the message, puts it this way. Eugene Peterson, all they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. But easy street is a dead end street. 
Those who live there make their bellies, their gods, belches are their praise. All they can think of is their own appetites. You know, they hate the truth of Christ's substitutionary atonement, that Christ died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. He, he took our place so that he might fully pay the price for our salvation, fully bear the holy wrath of a holy God against sins. You know, they hate that that doctrine of the imputation of Christ's righteousness, that there at the cross our sins were were imputed to Christ, credited to, to Christ, and in turn Christ's righteousness is imputed to us, credited to our accounts. You know, they hate the idea of gr- the gracious salvation of sinners. It's a phrase I came across today. No one knows quite the source. They say it's from the Middle Ages. You know, these those who hate the cross might be heard to say something like this. The world is remarkably well arranged. I like to sin, and God likes to forgive. You know, maybe you know someone like that. You know, hey, God's going to forgive my sins, so I'll just keep on sinning. You know, our first hymn today, Lift High the Cross, has these words. We, We sang them together. First verse, come, brethren, follow where our Savior trod, our King, victorious Christ the Son of God. And then the last verse, For thy blessed cross which doth for us atone, creation's praises rise before thy throne. And then the refrain, Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. You know, there, there's only two responses to, to the cross of Christ. The first is that we loathe the cross, or we love and lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim. You know, we're either proud enemies of the cross, or we humbly embrace Christ and the cross. You know, what's it look like to hope in Christ's cross? Christ and the cross. We we have the hope of eternal life with Christ. Yes, we are sinners. And yet sinners saved by grace through, through faith in Christ. Christ who died for our sins on the cross of Calvary, rose again, ascended into glory, reigns even now and is coming again as we'll see. So we are to be living by godly examples. Secondly, uh, living as God's holy children, verses 18 and 19. And here, Paul, God's word saves the best for last. We are to be living with God's salvation promise of heavenly citizenship. You know, verses 20 and 21 of Philippians 3 are are a challenge. They're all one verse, or all one sentence in the Greek. You know, but there is a great gospel contrast, again, with verses 18 and 19, that reminder we are either enemies 
of the cross or we embrace Christ and the cross. You know, and the first truth is, is the sweetest. You know, but or for our citizenship is in heaven. You know, say that, let's say that together. Our citizenship is in heaven. You know, do, do we believe that? You know, that word citizenship is the same word from which we get the English word, word commonwealth. Some states are not states. Massachusetts, where Lynn and I lived for a while, was a commonwealth. You'll have to ask a political expert about the difference, but uh, our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven will be our eternal homeland. You know, here we are strangers, sojourners, and pilgrims. You know, even in Cajun country. You know, but, but hear this from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. You know that great chapter about chapter of faith? These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. You know, that's what we are. We're, we're strangers, we're, we're exiles, we're aliens here. And, and that's a good thing. You know, think of it this way. The, the women have been studying Exodus. You know, think of the Israelites in bondage in Egypt. Oh, we love being in bondage. We love making bricks and being beaten Oh, this is where we want to stay forever. No. You know, God graciously delivered them. Of course, part of the story, too, is they get out in the wilderness and they say, Oh, let's go back to Egypt. Food, it was great there. We don't want to be buried in this, in this wilderness. You know, our citizenship is in heaven. Secondly, and from it, we await a Savior. You know, with the certainty that our citizenship is in heaven, we, we eagerly await. You know, every day we ought to be thinking about, hoping, maybe today is the day that Christ will come again today. And it's not just Christ, and from it, we await a Savior the one who saves us from our sins by his sacrificial death on the cross. And if that's not enough, a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that, that's who we're, we're waiting for, you know, with, with expectancy and hope. And, it, you know, if it, possible, it gets even sweeter. Third, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. A real gospel hope for the redeemed here. Dr. O'Brien puts it this way, the particular feature of the Lord's saving activity 
had his parousia, that's his second coming, here singled out by the apostle is his transformation of our weak mortal bodies into the likeness of his glorious body. If we had time, we would read through 1 Corinthians 15. You know, read through that today. Or this week. You know, what what will we be missing? Well, not really missing. No more pain. No more need for excedrin. Painkillers. No no more sorrow. You know, no more death in heaven. No more tears. Sadness. And we'll have resurrection bodies. I hope this doesn't crush the hopes of anyone here, but in heaven we're not going to be angels floating around with wings playing harps. You know, we're going to have real substantial bodies. You know, think of Christ's body after the resurrection. You know, he, he ate fish, honey. What will we be doing in heaven? We'll be worshipers of the risen Christ. I believe there will be God's work to accomplish in heaven. You know, finally, you know, lest we doubt this, Last part of verse, well, let me read it again. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That's a sure salvation promise uh, from our, our risen and reigning Savior. Close with this. I know that some of you have been away from home, you know, for a long time. You know, military service, you know, work, maybe you've just been traveling. You know, and even though uh, I know you enjoy, I've enjoyed getting away, seeing a foreign country, culture. You know, it's always good to come home. Eat home cooking sit at the family dinner table, sleep in your old bed, visit with dear old friends, worship with all your church family. You know, in, in heaven we will be home. Never to be separated. Always with Christ. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us be living as as citizens of heaven. That's where our home is. Yes, we are to be about our Father's business. Yes, we are to be salt and light, telling others about the good news of salvation in Christ so they can say, my citizenship is in heaven too. But let us long... Uh, to be home with the Lord.
Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have prepared a place for us. Lord, you're, you're there even now waiting for us, just as the father of the prodigal son was waiting for his repentant son to return home, open arms, kill the fatted calf, bring out the sandals, the, the robe. Lord, how much more will we be joyfully received into glory? But Lord, even as we live in light of this gospel truth that our citizenship is in heaven, may we be your faithful servants here and now. Those who um, give a gospel example, a godly example in our walk of faith. Those who readily tell that we embrace the cross, and Christ as our Savior. We ask this all in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.